0: You are listening to The Transport, episode 16, The Road to Greenslug HQ. The Transport by Alex Ames. You are listening to The Transport, a sci-fi military action thriller audio book podcast written and performed by Alex Ames. The music throughout the podcast is the song The Last True Boss by Kumiku, available on the freemusicarchive.org. CHAPTER 52. Cena Morales and Charles were gone on their field trip, and the room settled into a quiet routine. The remaining team made another inventory of the weapons, but the result was depressing. Not enough of anything. The arrival of the Green Berets helped, but not much. Spread out among old and new crew, they had about 350 shots and nine grenades, Water flasks were refilled. They probably had an hour or two until Morales and the dog would be back, hopefully with good intelligence. Sina sat down in one booth with stretched legs and rested her head against the wall. She closed her eyes. Her body longed for sleep, but her mind screamed on full alert the horrific images of the day flashing by her inner eye. Perkins' death by Kimmick's hand, the explosions during the attack killing all those rangers, the motorcycle woman cyborgs counterattack and her terrifying dismantling. Max screams in the bathtub, Gorsuch screams from the distance, the wiggling tentacles from the stomach wound, her knife cutting open the dead. She had to open her eyes again. Sleep was not in the stars, nor was proper rest. Mac sat opposite of her, reading her mind, probably going through the same. Tough shit, right? He said. Yeah, it keeps coming back and back, everything. Does it get easier? Ask again in a year from now. Does it get any easier after a year? Sina finally looked at him and got the reference this time. A year after the kid her old traumatic experience overloaded by the recent horrors that even he got forgotten by Sina for time being it's different Sina said after a long consideration at first your memories are very graphic sort of on repeat loop what did I do what didn't I do the graphic images wear off after a few months to return usually as nightmares, but the emotional loop remains. What could I have done differently? I torment myself every day during every stupid task I have to perform. Every piece of paper I read, every signature I set, it reminds me of what I had happened. If my higher-ups intended it as a punishment, it surely works. The constant guilt eats you up, hollows you out. The kid's death was your fault, you know. Mac said it without any heat or overstressed accusation. A fact. Sina closed her eyes again. She did not want to have this conversation. Not today, not ever. She was so tired of it. Wasn't a personal hell enough punishment? Sina. Listen, Mac. The decision I made was the wrong one. I should have given the order to cold stop the transport when I saw the kid get stuck. Let that fucking nuclear reactor and the MMTUs dig into the desert sand of that shithole country. Ten million dollars of Uncle Sam's equipment lost. Poison that stretch of no man's land for the next 50,000 years. Who would have cared except for some nomads? Who bear stillborn kids, which they could blame on a God's greater plan, unknoweth to the little goat herder's mind, anyway. Yes, for example, Mac said, we can't save the world all the time. Sina did not tell Mac about a private conversation she had with one of her senior officers after the incident. Staff Sergeant, your action costs one of your men his life. It had been a tough call you made, but either way, you would have decided the wrong way. Putting that reactor on wheels had already been the wrong decision by someone else, because you could not stop, no matter what. I know that does not exonerate you, but it saves you from a dishonorable discharge. And that had saved her army career, reduced to some paper-pushing function away from the action. Mac, I saw Tyrell's leg slip into this rabbit hole or whatever it was, and the whole thing unfolded in slow motion. From then on, I'm sorry that my mind doesn't work in the simple term you want me to apply. Save the kid, forget about the rest. I saw that whole chain of disaster in front of my eye when I gave the order to continue. In the fucking middle of the desert, in a country that God forgot, Mac exploded and all eyes were on him. Whitaker came over. Lady, gentlemen, keep it down until... That dirt road was the district's major trading route from east to west for the last two thousand years, Sina shouted back at Mac. We have to bring our people home, alive and intact, Sina. That has priority. Mac wrung his hands at her. In all of this out there, the craziness, the violence, the missions, the team is your family. Sina looked at her former friend for a long time, then said, and how we failed on that today, Mac. Whitaker looked back between the two opponents. Sergeants, concentrate on the mission, get some rest, who knows what we have ahead of us, and keep your volume down. The waitress came over and asked about coffee, perfect distraction and common ground. Both agreed and received refills. When she was gone, Sina repeated quietly, And how we failed today! Mac whispered back, an emptiness in his eyes Sina had never seen on her old mentor and former friend. Yeah, our guys are as good as dead, right? You saw what the slugs have done to Kimmik, a remote-controlled killing machine, Guess who drove the party today? It was an infected Gorsuch with the help of infected Fenton and infected Hammer. Zina, we need to do something, Mac urged. Anything. Zina rubbed her face. Morales and Nauman are calling the shots, not the transport grunts. But it's killing me, Mac said. I need to help our guys. Let's first survive this, then we see what we can do for them. We should grab our guys, get them away from this alien scum and lock them away until the circus is over. Then specialists from NASA or CIA or whatever secret hospital could figure out what to do next, Beck insisted. You won't be able to get this by Morales. Screw Morales, it's our guys back there, not hers. He thumped a fist on the table that the mugs and bottles rattled. Mac, let it go. I hate the situation as much as you do, Sina urged him. You know it as well as I do. We need to stop those aliens. Our comrades, our our friends are as good as dead. We just need to get near them, grab them, hide them. It's never that easy, Sina decided to stop the discussion and stood up. I need to be alone. She walked over to the front door. Mac's face sweated and was red. Yeah, don't confront yourself with the human side of the situation, Sina, he called after her, louder than necessary. Next one of you who talks, no matter what topic, I'll demonstrate my immobilization skills on, Whittaker said with a sharp, no-nonsense tone that left no doubt about his intentions. She showed him the finger, but kept her mouth shut. Chapter 53 Charles. The diner's cook had lent them his small Korean car made in the 80s. It was run down with a high six figure mileage on the automator, but it was spotless on the inside. Mm, gives you hope that the cook is running a clean shop. Morales fell onto the passenger seat, sorting her gear. Charles rummaged the door and came up with a town map, then oriented himself with a small penlight that had been provided to everyone of the insertion force. Down May, next major road left and straight until we almost leave town. Good that you give yourself instructions. You also move your lips while reading. Reinforced learning, setting the missing sat I'm a city slicker. Charles tried to hand the map over to Morales. But she refused to take it. I don't navigate and guard at the same time. Bad style. You drive and find the way, I shoot. Charles placed the map on his lap and started the car, who reached up to the dome light. No lights, please, Doc. Morales called him back in a voice that allowed no discussion. And before making any turns, we'll check out the road ahead. Approach it very slowly... Stop when I say so. We see fires, a movement or a barricade in our way. We take a wide detour. No headlights, no indicators neither. And try to use the handbrake instead of the regular one. She pointed her thumb to the back of the car. Avoids the brake light engaging. Gotcha. Charles' finger moved back to the wheel and steered the car from the parking lot onto Main Street. You'll cover the fines. The car ran over two dark bumps, which Charles had been unable to spot in time. His eyes were not accosted to the night yet. Oh, shoot, the looters! Oh, so sorry, guys. They are dead, Doc. I was only worried about the tires, Charles attempted feeble humor. He drove down Main Street slowly, zigzagging around occasional objects. He recalled the directions that the waitress had given them and made the first, correct turn. What do you do all day, Naaman? Morales asked, her assault rifle ready, her eyes incessantly roaming the dark around them for trouble. If you aren't hunting out aliens or paddling spaceships. I'm an analyst at the CIA. Europe desk. Boring stuff. Reading reports from various sub-agencies or diplomatic sources Summarizing them, adding fundamental opinions. What's the French president's unofficial position on our arms initiative? Stuff like that. Research papers. How come you ended up here, saving the world from aliens? Believe it or not, I was tricked into volunteering, Charles said with a small smile and took the next turn in slow motion. Morales smiled too. First rule in the military, never volunteer for anything. And now you tell me, Charles growled and told her the condensed story of her boss's play. Any special reason why he picked you? Charles gave a low laugh. I think he wanted to get back at me. I I was, I am, a wise ass, the first to raise my hand at meetings and arguing my superior opinion. It drove my old boss mad. He was old style military intelligence background, and even experienced the Cold War. Man, it brought you here. I would have stayed in D.C., but the president himself somehow complimented me here. Morales was quiet for a bit. Uh-oh, she said slowly. What? They wanted the amateur out of the way. Yeah, exactly. I bet they really cook up the crazy stuff now. Charles said, omitting the nuclear bomb threat. Speaking of, he interrupted himself. They had entered the industrial zone, office buildings or warehouses left and right. No skyscrapers, most buildings three or four stories high. Morales checked her gun once more. Let's find our way to Greenslug HQ. Chapter 54 Leo That kiss of yours has uh, diverted me from an important task back home, Leo grumbled from the driver's seat. Eva and he staked out the Legion Analytics campus from the shadows of a neighboring building. The night still held a gentle warmth and they had their windows down. Eva had scored Leo's Canon camera with a tele-lens and had fastened it with the help of a flexible gorilla stand around the right side mirror of their car. It showed with high magnification the front side of the Legion building, which still was fully lighted. She tinkered with focus and image stabilization. Legion always works that late, Eva had rigged Leo's tablet computer to act as a large display for the camera, throwing the inside of the car into a faint yellowish gloom. I forgot to eat and forgot to pack a snack. He lifted a water bottle from the back seat. All I have is lukewarm spring water. Interesting. They are building a sort of stage or ramp. Leo had a closer look too. She was right. Various metal scaffoldings were laid out in the front of the entrance stairs by workers, transported by a small forklift. Eva's nose almost touched the tablet screen, pinching the zoom with one hand and manipulating the camera with the other. Are you even listening to me? We won't leave, Leo. But I'm hungry, and I'm grumpy when I get hungry. You want another kiss? When I'm grumpy, not even a kiss can save me. She turned to muster him in the dark. Is it real issue, not your grumpiness, but your hunger? Indeed, one thing I overlooked your human need for carbon-based fuel. Leo was mollified. It will be a hard night, but I'll manage. Thanks, Leo. You're welcome. They sat side by side for hours without talking, watching as the scaffolding slowly took shape. Indeed, it was a ramp or stage, starting at the upper row of the stairs leading up to the lobby and then pointing upwards at a steep incline. It looked like slow work and they witnessed several times that the scaffolding pieces were removed again and fastened once more differently. Looks like a lot of trial and error to me, Leo leaned sideways to watch the most beautiful creature he had ever met. "'You can sleep if you want. I want to watch you. Now that I know that you are not an embarrassed human, I find it easier to admire your beauty openly.' "'You can't do that with a regular girl?' "'No way. That's extraordinarily creepy behavior if you don't know each other well.' "'You've known me for less than two days, Leo.' I strongly doubt that I know anything except your looks and your street-fighting skills. Look on, then. I don't mind. I know. I look. Ah, oh, that small smile again. Heaven, Leo. After ten minutes. You can sleep if you want. And a social interaction program reached the end of the repeat loop. Leo commented dryly. I can't sleep. I'm as wired as if I had ten double espressos. This whole day was surreal. Still is. Yeah, your species is stress-resistant, but compensates by shutting down various functions like the need for sleep or digestion. How do you eat? I mean, where do you get your fuel from? She stayed silent. Ah, one of those confidential items. How does that work? Your Leo-loving side wants to tell me, but your compliance function simply blocks your verbal output? That brought a small smile on her face once more, but she gave no answer. Instead, she had her head cocked and moved her head slowly, listening. Oh man, if you ever need a job, go for the CIA, baby. They don't hire cyborgs. She listened again. Someone's out there. Th- something small clanked against the car door and the man stood 20 yards away from the car. Hi, Alex Ames here. Sorry for the little interruption this story will continue momentarily. If you like a good thriller, check out my 2020 novel, COVID Trouble. COVID Trouble is a novel in my ongoing troubleshooter series, featuring the corporate troubleshooter Paul Trouble. COVID Trouble takes place in Paris, France after the first lockdown of 2020, just when life seems to normalize again during the worldwide life-threatening pandemic and France is getting ready for some well-earned summer vacations. Someone is poisoning supermarkets with the virus. Is it a lunatic? Is it a terrorist act? Paul Trouble will find out. A lot of bullets will fly. There are car chases, gunfights, rooms full of dead people, deadly fire traps and many, many, many ways to die. COVID Trouble is available as ebook at most online retailers and as paperback at Amazon and some other etailers. Check it out, it's a ride. It's inspired by the current events of that crazy, crazy year 2020. COVID Trouble is the name. Alex Ames, the author. That being said, by the book. And now let's jump back into the transport. Chapter 55 Charles Charles drove slowly. They were the only car on the road at this late hour. Their eyes had adjusted to the darkness. Apart from the occasional trash can, the road was clear. Somewhere an open fire burned to the right, yellowish glow flickering into the air, a car or a house. Otherwise, nothing much happened. Eventually, Morales pointed over to a lighted building on the right. Large parking lot, brick building, and lots of light. This is it. Want me to drive to the premises? Yeah, and ask the first guy we run into. Hi, was it your alien staff that hijacked the highly secured military transport? No way. Not with only 50 bullets between us two, Morales said. Turn at the next left, drive onto the parking lot of the neighboring compound. Stop behind the building, out of sight. We'll take a walk to scout the area. The field glasses offered no night vision, so they needed to get closer to the building, think Charles liked. The large parking lot made things difficult, as there was a well-lighted, football-field-sized open space between them and their position on the other side of the road. From the descriptions, our bogeys have weapons and equipment that outmatch ours. If they are as well organized on the defense as they are on the offense, they have night vision stuff and can pick us off like clay pigeons. Morales explained the situation from a military perspective. If I were them, I'd position some guards on the roof too. Perfect 360 degree coverage. Charles looked over his shoulder. What then? We take the long way, Morales pointed further down the road. The trees will shelter us. They circled the compound on food in a long arc, keeping a large distance. The first half was a regular business area with large office buildings behind parking lots, but 200 yards further on, low buildings directly on the street took over, from car shops to agricultural equipment and food processing. Good cover. Between the buildings they could see slices of the Legion analytics headquarters. One thing became clear. Not much happened in this part of town, but still things were guarded carefully. Twice they took cover behind trees or trash containers when a police cruiser or a security company patrol made slow round. The road and buildings stopped and desert and bushland took over. There was one last building, another repair shop for machinery. In its shadow, away from the road, stood a mid-size SUV, parked in a way that allowed to watch the former factory building without being noticed. Morales crouched, Charles behind her. There is someone in that car. I saw a movement. Minimum of two, she whispered. Want to engage? Charles asked. Maybe they are just necking. This is not a night for lovebirds. They parked with a purpose. Let's ask. You stroll up and I cover you. Morales laid out her plan. Like that? Charles looked doubtful. Got a better idea? You are the man with a good haircut, glasses, look trustworthy and you carry a big sign that says, press. Walk so they can read it. Says the girl with the gun, Charles muttered. This was an order, Norman. Morales said. Her mouth and eyes had lost the playfulness. Count to fifty and walk over, slowly, make yourself heard, otherwise you might get shot. With that she vanished without a sound behind another building's shadow. Charles seethed for a few seconds while he readjusted the velcro of his signage. A walk of surprise with a knock-knock at the window sounded indeed like a good way to get killed. Who knew how nervous the inhabitants were? He thought about a safeguard and collected some smaller stones from the ground. The fifty seconds were up. Charles stepped forward and threw a pebble against the parked car. He saw the gun first, the person on the driver's seat pointing it out of the open side window, and Charles dove back into the cover. A girlish voice said, ''Don't shoot, idiot!'' followed by a sound of an opening car door. Someone was coming over. The same girlish voice. Show yourself. We are armed. Don't shoot, Charles said from behind the wall. I'm with the press. I will point a gun at you, but I will not fire unless threatened, the girl said. Arms up, please. Charles breathed in and out once more and slowly stepped out of the wall's shadow, his arms raised. Fifteen yards away stood a petite girl with a black shoulder-length hair and tight jeans and a biker jacket, a riot gun in hands. She looked incredibly young and incredibly tough at the same time. Her face showed not a hint of fear. Step forward, slowly, she said. Charles did. The girl looked at her watch called over her shoulder. He's not of one of them, the male voice from inside the car. Who are you? Charles Norman. Who? Norman, Charles, doctor. Doctor? I thought you were the press. What media outfit are you with? The man asked. I am unarmed, Charles dodged the question and made a slow pirouette to prove this point. He's Press, the girl said. Embedded in the military? It's complicated, Charles said. We are not interested in complicated. Go away, Dr. Press. Wherever you came from, the man from the car called over. Why are you guys staking out the Legion building? We are private detectives on a divorce case, the man said. The girl groaned. Leo! Don't you want to put your gun down? Charles asked. I have a feeling we are on the same side. Right now, I trust no one, the girl said. It would mean a lot to me, Charles said in his most earnest voice. And it would save me wasting a bullet into your boyfriend's head, Morales hissed from outside the driver's side of the car. And how we all hate waste, right? squealed the man called Leo. Chapter 56 Herbert It only took an hour before Kimmick needed to wake Herbert up for the first time. Herb, we're stopped. It's serious. Herbert's head was fuzzy and Kimmick had to repeat twice before Herbert was awake enough to comprehend. It was dark outside. He felt disoriented, out of time and place. Why? What? The power line alongside the road, the cable tangled up with some wheels. What what power line? Herbert asked through the fog of his tired mind. Remember? We're on the road to Veracity. The lines run alongside the road. I ordered Gorsuch to run over the post, and it worked. But after a while, the cable started to tangle with the wheels. The right loader managed to untangle the cable again during a crawl, but two MMTUs got stuck wheels, so... Plow on, Herbert rubbed his eyes. How long? Fifty-four miles to target, two turns. At least Kimmich knew his numbers. I need to sleep, Herbert muttered and lay down again. Sleep was disrupted by the pain in his chest around his heart. Again, he was disoriented but had to glance at his watch to understand what time it was. Outside, it was completely dark. He thought about the mission and how he was at the end of his line. His body had worked fine throughout the last years, great work by a skilled surgeon who had executed the conversion, so that the body could accommodate the parasite for a much longer period than normal, with the help of some post-transplantation medication that suppressed rejection by Herbert's immune system. The hardest part had been the years of constant schizophrenia between Herbert's helpless host mind and his glowing identity. The longer the sclone parasite tapped into Herbert's mind, the more he took over Herbert's memories, experiences and opinions. How was Kimmich doing, the question formed in his mind, but he was too exhausted to really care. Maybe it all was too much and he should simply give up. The constant rumbling of the generators rocked him to sleep again. this is it for this week's edition of the transport the sci-fi action thriller written and performed by alex ames if you liked what you just heard leave a comment in whatever platform you downloaded or listened to the podcast if there are stars star me help me spread the good and again my shameless self-promoting plug if you liked it so far and can't bear the suspense Buy the book if you can't bear the suspense buy the book and another shameless self-promotion if you liked what you heard and think that many of your potential customers might be listening to this podcast too feel free to contact me at alex.ains.writing@gmail.com at gmail.com or send me a private message on Twitter or Instagram at Alex Ames writing, one word. The middle section of this podcast could be reserved for you. And that's it, for real. Wherever you are, whoever you are, thank you. Take care. I hear you next time. This is Alex Ames. This was The Transport. Over and out.